The VPM Daily Newscast is sponsored by Kanawa Capital Management. Your financial life is unique, complex, and dynamic. Kanawa Capital Management's team of credentialed professionals has been helping its clients build wealth and confidence through personalized planning and informed investing since 1989. Learn more at cancap.com. That's K-A-N-C-A-P.com. You're listening to the VPM Daily Newscast. A recap of today's top stories in Central Virginia. From the VPM Newsroom in Richmond, I'm Benjamin Dolly. The pedestal of the Lee Monument contains a 134-year-old time capsule. On Tuesday, state officials sealed a new capsule filled with dozens of items they say will replace it. Ben Pavier has a look inside. Push down. That's good. Yeah. Okay. Chief Diversity Officer Janice Underwood helped seal the new capsule with First Lady Pam Northam. Underwood says she's not sure who is in charge of assembling the old one. But I can guarantee you there was nobody on that committee that looked like me. (laughs) This time around, Underwood and Northam consulted with historians and took public submissions. Their capsule includes everything from an expired vial of COVID vaccine to an iconic photo of a black ballerina shot by photographer Marcus Ingram. I think since it's like basically a part of history at this point, that it still is going to carry its potency like forever. State officials are expecting to swap the capsules on Thursday. Ben Pavier, VPM News. People planning to watch the Robert E. Lee Monument come down today may have to rely on streaming options. Vehicle traffic and parking will be closed off around the statue as protective fencing is set up along the perimeter. A public viewing area will open at 8 a.m. east of the Lee statue near Stewart Circle. Space is limited and spots are available on a first-come, first-served basis. Starting at 8 a.m., VPM will stream the event on its Facebook, Twitter, YouTube channel, and online at vpm.org. A task force is recommending Virginia's largest city give its police review board subpoena power and increase the number of members to better reflect city demographics. But Virginia Beach's task force stopped short of asking for further investigative capabilities for the civilian-run board. The recommendations say the board should continue reviewing only completed internal affairs cases, not initiate independent investigations. The Virginia Beach City Council did not vote yesterday on whether to adopt the recommendations. As Afghan immigrants continue to settle into communities across Virginia, many individuals will struggle with a great deal of loss, not to mention the challenges of fitting into a new culture. As Patrick Larson reports, making the transition is a community effort. Dr. Hyojin M. of VCU's School for Social Services researches mental health in refugee and immigrant communities. She's found that care for those groups tends to focus on clinical conditions like PTSD or depression, but M. says that because of cumulative stress and lost coping systems, immigrants need trauma-informed and culturally sensitive services that go beyond traditional mental health care. The primary care setting, school setting, or even employers or housing, transportation, any social services that can be more informed about the refugee background and refugee experiences. M. says building awareness in professional communities and neighborhoods can help Afghan immigrants start building new lives. Patrick Larson, VPM News. Virginia has distributed more federal rent relief money to families struggling in the pandemic than any other state in the nation. As reported in the Virginia Mercury, the Commonwealth has allocated around 42% of their federal funding, according to U.S. Treasury data. 
State legislators and advocates credit the success of Virginia's rent relief program to the fact it was established early in the pandemic. They also point to the passing of emergency rules that bar landlords from evicting renters without first applying for aid. Virginia will be able to continue the program for at least 18 more months thanks to $450 million coming to the state through the American Rescue Plan. Around 6 million Jewish people were killed during the Holocaust, but two men have tried to keep their memories alive through their love of music. As Alan Rodriguez-Espinosa reports, people will soon hear these stories of hope in Richmond. Afshi Weinstein and his father Amnon have devoted their lives to the violin. For the last 20 years, the two master violin makers from Israel have collected and restored dozens of instruments. But these aren't just any violins. Each carries a story, and the collection itself carries a people's legacy. They all belonged to Jewish musicians who were killed in the Holocaust. The Nazis confiscated these violins across Europe, and at times Jews were forced to play them as a form of humiliation. Almost every camp had an orchestra. We are talking about thousands of orchestras, thousands of musicians in the camps, in the ghettos. Bravshi says by reclaiming these instruments, it represents the victory of the human spirit over evil and hatred. It's a way for those who were voiceless then to carry on their stories today. Each story connects to one person or one family. Some of them are people that we heard of, some people that you might find a little bit of documents about, but the vast majority are simple people. The Weinstein's collection has traveled across the world, and through the month of October, 60 of these violins of hope are being showcased in the Virginia Holocaust Museum, the Virginia Museum of History and Culture, and the Black History Museum. Samuel Asher is the executive director of the Holocaust Museum. We lost about 75 members of my family in the Holocaust. My family took a terrible toll, as did many, many other families and many of the Holocaust survivors who came to Richmond and made their lives here after World War II. It's important to understand one story at a time, one family at a time, because people have a harder time understanding the Holocaust and grasping six million that were killed, or one and a half million children that were killed. But you can understand the story of a violinist. Asher says the Violins of Hope exhibit is a painful reminder of what can happen when anti-Semitic and white supremacist sentiments go unchecked. So it's our job to really spread the word, to tell people what the worst things that could happen did during the Holocaust and to make sure that we prevent it from ever happening again. Not only are these violins on display, they're also being brought on stage. Later this month, these historic violins will come to life during three Richmond Symphony concerts and additional community events. 60 violins, each telling Richmond its own story. There are probably thousands of more instruments out there but unfortunately, probably most of the instruments we will never find because the musicians never told their story to their kids or grandkids, and those instruments are in a way lost for time. For me, in the end, the most important thing is that people will come, they will hear the stories, 
and uh, understand that if we don't take good care, these things might happen again. Alan Rodriguez Espinosa, VPM News. We should disclose that VPM is a content partner for Violins of Hope Richmond. This is VPM News. This newscast was recorded on Tuesday, September 7th at 6 p.m. Some of these stories may have changed since the newscast was recorded. You can stay connected to what matters by heading to vpm.org news or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at MyVPM. VPM. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.